Horizon Play was completely a test platform for Visual. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. I have an intuition that this is something that is natural to me and I will be more visible about it. But when I, I understood that, okay, this is really a gap uh, in the industry and in general, like around leadership. Hi, I am Sophie Vaux and this is the Horizon Play podcast. In the show, I sit down with influential thought leaders of the gaming industry to deconstruct how they create the best team and company cultures in order to create the best games. Every episode brings actionable insight to improve your leadership, self-awareness, and emotional management skills. Because becoming a better leader starts with becoming a better human. So, are you ready to unlock your full potential in life and business? Let's begin. This episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, Appadeal, an all-in-one growth platform for mobile app creators of any size. While you have probably heard about Appadeal as a mediation solution, it has already expanded into much more than that. Appadeal unlocks access to a new generation of advanced business intelligence tools, including LTV forecasting, user acquisition and creative automation, and of course, the mediation platform that can work out of the box or be managed manually. Being one of the very few independent platforms left in the market, Appadeal delivers unbiased solutions for mobile app creators to establish and scale their businesses rapidly. Sign up at appadeal.com. You ready? Yes. <laughs> your, your first time uh, as a guest on your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I was a surprise. I'm not used to being a guest on my own podcast, but let's see how it goes. All right, so welcome, 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 everybody, to Rise and Play podcast. I'm your guest host today, Mishka Katkov. Uh, I'm a... Who am I? I'm a, <laughs> I'm a founder of Savage Game Studios, part of PlayStation Studios, and um, I'm also a founder of Deconstructor of Fun. I'm proud... And excited today to be interviewing a guest on this Rise and Play podcast. And the guest of the day is Sophie Vo. Sophie, you are a founder of Rise and Play and a and general manager at Savage Game Studios. You have a long career in games, Gameloft, Rovio, Voodoo. So happy to have you on this podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Mishka. I have to say it's uh, quite puzzling that you have Mishka introducing myself on my own podcast. So for a moment I thought that, oh, here we go, we are in a deconstructor of a uh, conversation. I'm pretty sure we have the same dynamic anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I do like the exercise to flip the table because I've been focusing so much on my guests and asking yeah. questions and we have brainstormed about it. Where uh, how would I answer as a guest of my own podcast with kind of the same philosophy and let's see how it goes if yeah. you... Uh, as well, like we are flipping the roles here. If you can be the host today of Verizon Play, and I can try to be a guest. Yeah, I mean, I took this seriously. So normally, when I was doing a podcast, I would spend maximum fifteen minutes of time of preparing for a podcast. I think I did an hour, more than an hour, right now. So I have like a list of questions. So <laughs> I'm taking this very seriously. So uh, I can see so, that. <laughs> yeah. So so this is this is uh, this is exciting for me. Um, today, I wanted to I want to talk to you about careers and really like like all the elements of, of by career I mean career and jobs so um, really how to plan about your career how to nurture it how to how to build your career when to, do you know when it's time to leave how to succeed in a new job so I have a lot of questions around that and and um, naturally it's very interesting for me to to ask these questions for you for two reasons because uh, you're a very thorough thinker, so you read a lot of books, you write about it, you do podcasts, you talk to a lot of very interesting people, 
and also because you have recent personal experience and of course the experience throughout your life. So, so I'm, I'm very interested in, in discussing those. But to kick it off, I wanted to kind of start off with a very generic question. And that is, how do you go about planning and nurturing your career? Like a lot of people think about things like titles, positions, rather than what they are truly excited about themselves, what is their long-term career, what are the skills they need to develop or they should develop or they, they could develop. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Like how do you do a career planning rather than hopping from one job to another? Mm. I think it's a question that uh, can be revisited today when we think of career planning because what is career planning? It's, it's following uh, a script, right? So a script that has been designed um, uh, in a specific context, so when you look at career path, let's look at the case for us as well. Like I started as a producer, project manager, and the path for me that was uh, laid out for me as a script was, or you could be maybe a product director, product manager, so it, it's a path mm -hmm. that, that is laid out for you, and then you think logically, uh, then there's a hierarchy as well, right? So you uh, progress in your career, um, vertically in the same track and by title and uh, yeah, status. So I, I cannot blame uh, the fact that everyone else thinks that this way because mm -hmm. it's like coming from a, I would say, a legacy of how career path works in the company, in organization. And uh, the result of that is when we think career planning, then we think of what's logical to do next. Uh, so it's a lot, uh, and I, I reflect on it not only in career, but what is the path of life, with, uh, which is a question where many people feel lost today, like, what, what is my playbook, you know, in life? So it's kind of the same question we have with career. If I, if I don't feel like following my career path because I started as whatever, uh, in a certain craft, um, what's there for me? And it's back to uh, inner work, right? So understanding, uh, I, I like to always go back, simple framework to the why. Like mm -hmm. why why do you want to be a director next? Or is, is this what you really want? Or uh, why do you care of being an expert? Is it, do you want to be recognized? Is it for the salary? So you have some dream plans that uh, mm -hmm. need like more, I don't know, more revenues, more money and so to execute those dreams, you need to have a job that has a high salary pay, you know, so uh, again, back to your why, like being honest, having a conversation with yourself, what do you want in your in life, why do you work, which are quite deep and big questions, but mm -hmm. getting an answer on that, then help actually understand more what's next for you in career, right, so how does it serve you and your personal goals, your life goals, to go in this or that direction? How, how is, what's the best way of kind of figuring out the why? I'm asking because the why changes. Because when we think about career, we're thinking about ideal case. It's about six, five-year stints at mm -hmm. same or different companies, but they're, you know, about 30 years of a, of a of working career. And during that time, you know, you start off, you're, you don't have any money, you're just out of school, so getting any money is fun. And your why might be very different. Then you figure out some jobs. I want to be a director, so that's your next why. Then you have kids or whatnot, and family, and your why might be something else. And then the kids are a little bit older, so you have time to focus on yourself, and you you again have a different why. What I'm trying to understand is like, how do you come up with uh, with a consistent why, or is that important, or should you just kind of change the why's as you go? I don't think it's uh, important to 
stick or uh, force yourself mm -hmm. to stick to the same way because as you mentioned actually it's very good example contextually you have different priorities right so maybe at different stages of life financial security is one the, the most important one where you don't want to think about mm -hmm. money I, i've definitely seen myself in those places where i wanted to be in a certain threshold where i would not have to think about mm -hmm. money so then that would eliminate many uh, jobs huh? even path or even like working as an uh, independent worker, mm -hmm. right? So what are the priorities in your life and what do you want to learn, right? So uh, again, that depends what you value and prioritize in life. Do you prioritize your own growth and knowledge? Uh, do you want to be an expert in the field or do you want to be a generalist and know about many things? So mm -hmm. then it makes sense that you're not really progressing vertically on a career path, but maybe try different jobs and that pay in a way that you can live well or survive. Uh, so that, again, depends on really where you are at, right? And uh, depending on the context, what is your personal situation, those priorities might be very different. So an exercise that I like to do, and I've been doing it at the end of uh, the year, actually, is uh, every six months I look back, I have my own tools, I have my own framework, mm -hmm. I have a, a mega spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, that, that's my way of working. I'm very system thinking. And I look at my timeline. So, for example, I look at what I've been doing the past six months or a year. I look, I look at the events, like good events, the highlights, and the things that were difficult. And then I question, like, are, sh if, should I replicate the year, or do I want to do the same thing again, mm -hmm. or do I want to do different things, and why? So that helps, uh, again, going back uh, from a reference point to the question, like, am I sticking to the path that, I, that was relevant or um, useful a year ago? Or do I change now and for what? And what do I try, right? So uh, this every six months, I think it's good to examine, mm. examine a bit more about where you are in life, what are your priorities, um, and thinking of your goals. And not too far, of course, because it's always a vision when you think three to five years. Mm -hmm. uh, but concrete goals, like what are you actually going to do in the next year, like concrete goals, concrete tasks, or what? kind of job are you going to sign for or what kind of achievements would you yeah, have yeah. at work or projects on the side interesting so you kind of invest time into internalizing of of like what's next um and kind of like what you have achieved and so forth um okay so i have a question the question like the high level question or the direct question is like how did you end up picking up savage over all the other opportunities and the, the, the answer that I'm looking for is more, or not the answer, but the thought process I'm looking for is like, um, sure, you spent time on internalizing of what you've done before, uh, what do you want to replicate in that, but, but how big of a portion of that thinking is around what I'm becoming good at, what am I really enjoying, what do I want to do? Because some like <laughs> game projects are, are tough, especially the ones that don't succeed, um, because you kind of feel like shit afterwards. And there's two different ways of approaching it, in my opinion. It's like either you want to do one quickly again to kind of like take the bad taste off your mouth, or you kind of want to take a break and do central services publishing or something like that. And um, I don't know. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of going around and then just trying to understand how important it is to not only do the internalization but also thinking about what really interests you, where are you good at? Because if, if you have certain elements that are interesting to you and the likelihood of you being good at it is quite big over time. Mm -hmm.
But yeah, how did you end up joining Savage over all the other opportunities? So it was a lot of internalization work yeah. that was forced a bit on me because I was a uh, like on a professional break uh, last year when I was considering Savage for three months at least. Mm -hmm. So I did spend a lot of time exploring, having the co uh, different conversations to even understand how to approach the question. And uh, now with distance, I can say like it came down to very uh, fundamental questions like how do I want to spend my time and who do I want to spend my time with? So how do I want to spend my time behind this? And you touch those points. Um, and that's uh, more my philosophy, my priorities of life, right? I do uh, want to use uh, my skills, my nurtured talents mm -hmm. uh, in a way that has uh, the most uh, of impact. And where could that be? So when I come back sometimes to questions, should I stay in games? Should I not stay mm -hmm. in games? Uh, should I build my own company? <laughs> you know, those questions come uh, back often. Then I go back like what I'm, I have recognized to be really good at, uh, not only recognized for myself, but from peers, from mm -hmm. a community. And it was around leadership, right? So yeah. I, I started to find my path by exploring actually. And Rise and Play was completely a test platform for this. Like, let's see how it goes. Yeah. I have an intuition that this is something that is na natural to me and I, I will be more visible about it. But when I, I understood that, okay, this is really a gap uh, in the industry and in general, like around leadership. And I think I can, I, I have a contribution that have has a, an important impact. Uh, what are the places where I could spend well this time and this energy and those skills? So this thinking, um, so that's where uh, like uh, where Savage was like mm -hmm. post acquisition startup time. So how do we level up? How do we structure? So really complex questions, uh, yeah. and that need to be solved really fast, right? So I love to work uh, in an environment where there are very complex questions that involve humans, technical, I mean games, creativity, everything, uh, um, and need really uh, uh, a lot of structure and system thinking to approach it uh, effectively. So that was, was uh, appealing for me. Um, and uh, the second to the second question, who do I want to spend my time with? I was looking actually at your team, Mishka, <laughs> the leadership team yourself. Um, and um, there's, there's a, a quote that stayed with me for, since I've heard it. It's, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And so I, I thought for myself, for my own mm -hmm. personal growth, who should I work with to go to the next level where I could learn a lot from on different fields where I have gaps myself, right? Where, and I recognize that um, from my experience at Vodou, I was like really my, alone on the leadership. Yeah. Of course, I have my team of directors, but I was the cap of uh, what I was building. And uh, I was of course learning from the top management, but there was not really a focus to develop a leadership team. Uh, and what I found appealing, like in our conversation, is like talking to you. There was Nad, I talked to Mike, like the leadership team, and where we were going, and then the extension of the, even the PlayStation mm -hmm. staff. Like I will learn a lot from great leaders in the industry coming from a different angle. I mean, you have built a company, and for some uh, of people in the team, they build teams. They've been to several companies as well, and if you went through the process to be uh, acquired, mm -hmm. which is an achievement by itself, I want to learn from you know, uh, a team who has gone through this and uh, what is the mindset they developed and as I uh, come and people will learn from me, what can I learn as well? So that was the other thing. 
uh, that was a big factor is like is it the environment where I'll keep growing because I'll be challenged mm -hmm. and I can say uh, for three months now after <laughs> I was right with uh, at least those criteria I have learned a lot I've enjoyed a lot and I've um, upgraded a lot my thinking with a company conversation with you even mm -hmm. today um, and all the discussion that has happened well I appreciate it um, so uh, you know, we're talking about career planning, but Rise and Play was never, you know, a part of your career planning, or was it? Like, like it came out of something that you were very interested in, right? And you kind of started pursuing it because you just wanted to learn yourself, and you started to writing and, and making the um, uh, the um, the master class around it and so forth. Is that is that kind of like something that you would recommend for others? Kind of like a volunteering. Because that you know, it, in a way, it's volunteering because initially it doesn't make any money. It actually takes your time, takes your focus, not not your focus, but takes a lot of time, takes a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. um, do you do you encourage others to volunteer to get towards where they want to go, perhaps? Yeah. So how I I I, I committed to create uh, Rise and Play was really um, how do I uh, place myself. Uh, to um, be uh, leading the conversation mm -hmm. around leadership. So the intention here is like I will start to be visible and uh, see who is uh, resonating and responding to it. So it was very clear for me that I, um, I had an angle in the industry that was uh, seen in uh, smaller circles and I wanted to see at a bigger scale where would that go. So the main motivation for me was like you pointed out was not monetizing or making another business on the side, was really to grow mm -hmm. and to grow a community. So something I recognize now like, that are really two uh, key strengths and quite unique about my profile and I, what I decided to be the best. Mm -hmm. So something I recommend when people think about their career, it's a, it's a bold question, but uh, it is one that is helpful. It's like, what can you be uh, the best in the world at what you're doing? So let's think here, of course, in the industry level, mm -hmm. uh, to be a, a bit more modest. But instead, uh, we have this uh, belief that let's be a great generalist and let's know, uh, let us know to do everything. And I'm more a believer in the place where uh, develop your unique strength. So the impact of what you will develop as a strength, uh, the potential, the multiplier effect will be much bigger than trying to uh, bridging the gap of your weaknesses. So you put the same effort for a very different reason. So when you understand your strength, and mine is really to uh, growing enabling. Mm -hmm. So I can see unique strength and unique yeah. quality in people, and I can develop. And so that's what makes me uh, in a good position for leadership because leadership has been more around how do you elevate your team rather mm -hmm. than being you know the leader who knows it all. And second, uh, I'm a great connector. Yeah. So I know how to build communities. I understand. I understand how. Uh, in a puzzle how humans could work together and be uh, a group by mm -hmm. themselves. So I decided like Rise and Play is, is kind of an answer for this where I would at, at the same time keep uh, growing my knowledge, sharing uh, knowledge and uh, growing others and bring others who can grow others, mm -hmm. uh, building this community. So uh, that's still the intention today and uh, it's a nice side effect. Of course, it can monetize and it started yeah. to monetize, but that's not the primary goal. And so back to the question, um, would I encourage others to explore this? Totally, yes. Because it's never 
a waste of time because you're growing yourself and you're getting closer to understand what is your unique strength, what mm-hmm. you're really good at and what you have to let go. And I can tell you, like, after like now a year and a half on Rise and Play, I feel quite comfortable running conversation, podcasts. We even mm-hmm. discussed about it where it was my natural medium. Yeah. Writing is still a struggle for me. Yeah. I mean, it, put, it takes a lot of uh, effort. But I'm really happy of the outcome. But it, it, I can't, I won't call myself a great writer years from now. I, I just know it, and I, my ambition is not to be among the top writers, but uh, more a uh, content creator around mm. uh, the leadership topic. So you know, so you understand as well a lot about yourself by doing. That's that's what I wanted to say, and what you have to let go or uh, like let go of the idea. Like like I said, I'm not going to be. The best writer of the year. Yeah, <laughs> this is your, of, of this reason. There's there's a lot of good things you said. Like the two points when we're looking at the next job is like how do I want to spend my time? So this is basically what do you like doing? This is a very important question, and a lot of the times I feel like people kind of don't even ask this question some themselves when they look mm-hmm. at the next job. They look at the title. They look at the company. Uh, they look at whether it's remote or hybrid or in this city or in that city, but not really looking for like, do I really like doing this? This is, Does this make me happy? And the second important thing is like, who am I going to spend my time with? Again, something that, that I find confused, like normally when I've gone through a recruitment process or towards my next job, it's been a lot of just conversations with the people for months before I decide to join a company. Like, do I really like, do I like hanging out with these people? And I, I'm always confused when, when that is not part of the, the recruitment process, even with high-level people. They're kind of just brought in, like, here's the, uh, here's the title, here's the bag. Um, you know, do what you do. And then it's, and it's, you know, it could work, but, but sounds really weird. And then, uh, and then that kind of, in my opinion, bleeds in into what can you be best at? Because in order to be best at is you have to like what you're doing. If you, if you hate it, I don't think you're going to be good at it. Yeah. And you have to like who are you doing it with because they empower you and they allow you to become the best at. So, so yeah, uh, I just wanted to reiterate for the listeners and the viewers that those, those points. Um, let's say we're talking about somebody who doesn't have the same type of a career opportunities as you do. Uh, and and when, when you're looking at new, you know, new step, like when you're basically when your studio was shut down, uh, you probably had a good dozen opportunities to follow. But if you're not in that type of position, how do you make yourself attractive for a recruiter? I'm asking this because, you know, you've been hiring and getting hired for better part of a decade. So kind of like, what are, what are your suggestions for people to become more um, attractive for recruiters? So back as well to self-knowledge, it's never a wasted investment to um, understand what are your motivation, uh, not only at work in life, and like you said, like something you would really feel passionate about and why, understanding mm-hmm. this is really key because it's about energy, right? So you will accept like all the challenges, the hurdles, because if you really, like really are driven by what you're doing, it's not even a question. So uh, when um, I look at candidates, what I appreciate as well a lot is people who have done this inner work to understand themselves and why uh, with all that we've presented, for example, as a company or in a culture of the people we work with, why we like they are really confident that this is the place that they really want to join mm-hmm. and not just because of the perks. I'm actually quite wary about uh, 
when people join him only for the purpose because they fade eventually. Yeah. And if we don't have them, like, what does it say about the motivation of a person? So it's a good match of conversation when we as a company and organization, we know where we stand and we talk to someone where we have a sense that they know where they stand. So are we, again, aligned on the values, why they want to join? And knowing your strength as well. So I believe a lot in personal branding and I know it's not something like people invest a lot of times. Like, is it even a... Like, why should I invest time in being visible out there mm -hmm. or my marketing? I have to say, it's something that I put more attention to since uh, Finland, actually, during mm -hmm. Rovio times, five, six years. And I, I decided uh, I decided to... I was doing a lot of conferences. It was all over the place mm -hmm. as a speaker. I could talk about product, game. Yeah. And I decided I would just focus on leadership. I, I decided to not talk anymore about uh, games, although I have a mm -hmm. lot of knowledge there. Um, but I decided to craft my branding so it's easier for people to know what I'm about. And of course, I can share the uh, other additional skills. So uh, having uh, building with intention your persona, your public persona, professional persona, what, what, uh, what is special about you? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, again, not a, a superficial question. It's like, really, what is the, the, the skill you really nurture that you can say with confidence, this is what you're among the top 5% yeah. in the industry or in this category doing it, right? Um, and then it's not anymore like, how are you attracting recruiters? Uh, it's like people will come to you. So it's like a, a smart um, sourcing where you don't have to convince others uh, to work uh, with you, but others who are interested for who you are, uh, what you stand for will come and look for you and then you are a good match yeah. and that's how most of my job opportunities and discussion uh, it is usually a good match because they know everything it's like an open book almost yeah. what i'm about and yeah, yeah. where it may not be a fit yeah that's a that's a very good point of, of focusing on what what your you know your brand is but but really the focus comes from something that you truly enjoy because now that you mentioned like i'm not as deep thinker as you are I just kind of like I'm, I'm connecting the dots as you speak. So, for example, like on DOF, there was a lot of market data that started becoming, um, you know, maybe for the five years. And I didn't think about it, but the the, the reason for that was that that I launched a bunch of games that that failed in the in soft launch because I didn't understand the market too well. I was too focused on just making a fun game and kind of like thinking that a game alone is enough. And I'll just make a fun game that we love to play internally, and then of course it will scale and become big. Then it, you know, the, the marketing costs and this and that and theme testing and all that kind of brought in. Then like, how does it compete against others? And that brought the taxonomy, and that wasn't like intentional branding, but it was just more of what am I interested in, and that thinking developed. And over the years, you become kind of like known for understanding the market. So the same thing, uh, you can do it intentionally, and I think you should should do it should do it intentionally, as Sophie is saying. But it should always be something that you're interested in. Don't look at the stuff that is happening in gaming and be like, okay, AI is very interesting right now. Or crypto. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to invest all my thing in crypto or in AI or whatnot, even though I don't care about it. Um, you, it, it has to be something that, that you're, you're actually passionate about and you can see longevity in it. So, yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the second thing is just, just sharing what you write. Like you can either start your own stuff and that takes a lot of effort and a lot of investment. But there are also opportunities like this, co-hosting things or joining somebody else's platform, whether it's Rise and Play, whether it's Navic, whether it's Deconstructor Fun. Uh, there's plenty of flat platforms that already exist where you can join and contribute uh, and then kind of get your, your, uh, 
your you know your message across and kind of test the waters before you commit to building your own blog because that takes a lot of time and may not work and the podcast the same thing yeah i wanted to add as well to this like by creating content it gives you more clarity so it forces yeah. you to reflect you know that right yeah. when you have to write you <laughs> it's not like just saying what's in your mind you have it, it forces you to structure your thoughts yeah. and understand things for you as well I love writing. I, you said you don't like writing. I love writing. I'm not as comfortable with the with a podcast as I am with writing because there's just much much more freedom and and things come to me like after several days. I'm like, no, actually, I was wrong. Let me reword it. And then, and then that one post takes a week. You know, overthinking. It's, I think it's just better than. But you know, podcasts are fun too. <laughs> um, so let's talk about how to succeed in a new job. Um, so something that. I think you know when when you were joining Savage, uh, like you joined really with like such a great momentum that you built yourself. And I and I was just looking from the side, I'm like, wow, like Sophie's is really you know really really good at this. And and then I was thinking a lot about people who haven't been that good about when joining a company. You know those who kind of come into a to a to a setting and they kind of are very passive. You know they. They're hired for certain position and they're just expecting tasks and they're not very proactive or they are almost too meek to shake the boat. Even even like saying like, hey, I've been here for 30 days. Here's my report of what, all the things that I'm seeing. Uh, good things, maybe things you can improve. This is just looking on fresh eyes. Like those are so valuable for management and I it's so rare to get them. And I'm kind of like always confused why people are not more proactive and not really hitting the ground running um, so so what is your kind of like your approach of, of how to be effective at starting at a new job uh, I would say it starts even before you started right yeah. <laughs> it starts from a moment you have a conversation so uh, with a, like potential especially in the po high uh, like executive position leadership position um, the first thing is really empathy understanding. So where, what are you joining? And, and I, like, again, it's very complex. A company has history, legacy, uh, humans. You have to understand the people you will be working with and you don't really know them, right? So I had the same approach actually before I started at Voodoo. Mm -hmm. I spent three months as well uh, at the headquarter with the leadership team just to understand and uh, observe so I did this just with you before I officially started right so mm -hmm. we had we had a few conversations so I would say the most important is like not to be eager to act because then you sh you know you shoot in the right uh, in the wrong direction and understand so I, I'm very methodical as you know like first mm -hmm. I have a diagnosis like have like a 360 view of what's going yeah. on ask a lot of questions and do your own mapping to understand uh, everything or as far as you can, right? And then it's about priorities. What are the really the main pain points? So this is where you challenge the main stakeholder. In that case, it was you. What is really important to solve now? I mean, I can do many things, but if I want to be effective, what should I be really focusing on? And of course, most of the time it's leadership work, uh, but in our case, you know, it's like, okay, let's go back to the basics, mission, clarity, values, how we build this and how we are we reassessing it after the acquisition mm -hmm. so that was fundamental work that would make the rest effective or we could have started already like let's implement a new mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. and so on but it would have been i think a, a failure in that sense because it would have been from the past and not from today so 
again, first thing, understanding, working uh, with the people. And um, I would say something that was an experiment, uh, and we, you have been part of it. Let's go straight in the workshop. So yeah. even before I started, uh, I suggested let's do a leadership workshop. And it was a two-way thing, because mm -hmm. it was for me a way to know you just by yeah. being part of it. Like the best way to know people is through doing. It's not yeah. just uh, by asking questions and being theoretical. So I said, like, let's just jump in the water and see how it goes. And uh, having our first uh, workshop, uh, not just by what we discussed only during the leadership workshop, but before, after, during dinner, gave me just a, a more depth of mm -hmm. understanding of who you were in the team, the history, things that were easy. And I was, I was really. Um, also positively uh, surprised by uh, like there was uh, there was a lot of professionalism mm. and, and I couldn't sense that of course from a conversation but I've been in other places where there was a lot as well to solve but a, a lot of emotion in the room and here there was legacy but it was very uh, professional everybody like maturity you know and that was really enjoyable to work uh, like this mm -hmm. and that was also what uh, convinced me even more to join uh, Savage mm. like. That's the kind of conversation, that's the kind of leadership team I, I dreamed of, of joining, you know, where we would have this level of conversation yeah. and not just like a kind of a impulsive decision made uh, <laughs> on a five minute uh, heated conversation, which I've seen yeah. many, many times. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that I you know truly enjoyed those, and then I like how you bring this very structured thinking. And then actually I have to mention this. so. There's a so because this comes back to like you've mentioned a couple of times that you know I was on one of the Rise and Play podcasts and people have misconception about me and they listen to it and they have like a different picture. I have to say that there's a lot of misconception about you, and uh, <laughs> and there was a misconception that I've heard many times when I was saying that that I was talking to Sophie and I'm really trying to get her to join us, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And the misconception was like, um, yeah, I, she's probably you know she's she's very soft, and that comes from that you're, I think where it comes from is, is you read a lot of books and you're a female. And I'm like, I'm, I just want people to understand that you're anything but soft. <laughs> like, people like, who have worked with me yeah, can probably say Yeah, that. so, so it's a, just, just wanted to mention that, that, that in terms of decision making and ability to make hard decisions, you're much more harder than, than myself, for example. So that's a, that's a good addition to, uh, to, to our thinking. Um, but yeah, so so the, the starting before you start, I think it's really important. And it's not only something in the leadership positions, it's just a smart way to do. I remember even back in the days working at Zynga, we had a new product manager starting, uh, shout out to my guy, Vinayak. Uh, so even before he started, you know, I remember, I really remember, like I interviewed him, he passed through the, through the test and he actually did his, 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 you know, his homework, it was really good. And he wanted to meet up just for coffee and for, for lunch just several times before he started. And I was like, this is kind of weird, but like this was back in the days. But now I'm like, oh, this was so smart because we established a relationship before he started and he felt much more comfortable in starting in, in, in our team. It was, I think, his first gaming job. He was coming from a, a business school and um, he established a relationship with me as an executive producer and um, and built the trust through that. So so this starting before you start, it's not for just leadership teams. It's for anybody. Like if you've been hired as an artist, you know, if, if you haven't started yet, try to start already. Come in, you know, 
set up some time, maybe hang out with the people. And if you're an art director or technical director, you have somebody starting, bring them in. Have, you know, go out somewhere, have lunch, you know, do something. But, but start before you start, and that will make the start of that new employee much smoother. So. And uh, about the people you build connection with, the stakeholders mm -hmm. are, should be the point of attention. Yeah. Because there are people you will work the most with, uh, or the influence of change and uh, decision making, and yeah. so really understanding how they think, how like building the relationship and trust, like uh, in your example, yeah. is key, uh, because you will be much more effective to suggest the changes or whatever is, is required yeah. when you start. That's a so that that's a great segue to the next point, which is uh, what I had here is uh, see I made ton of notes, mm -hmm. uh, so acquiring performance and relationship currency. So performance. Um, well, the backstory for this is, is quite simple. Whenever you come into a new company, you're always like, how is she able to do that? How is he able to do that? Like, why do they get always these projects? How can she start a new project? And I'm here slaving, you know, working on this live ops game. So I, wanna, I want the same opportunities, but you can't. And the reason being, usually that person who gets to get gets those most interesting projects, even though their last project fails, is because they have both... Um, Performance and relationship capital or, or currencies, how we want to put it. Performance capital, you build it by performing, by being a person who delivers outstanding results and who people whose work people just simply admire. Uh, it doesn't mean that you always, you know, succeed because every time you fail, your performance capital goes down. Mm -hmm. And you know, it might have been quite a few years since your last game succeeded, so now people are not giving you the same capital, but. But nevertheless, it, it's, it's a capital that you build that allows you go, to go through the mistakes. And then the second one is the, uh, the social or relationship capital. And that is that you build over time as you're working with different people and they trust you, they like working with you, so now it's much easier to, for you to build the teams. Uh, you're not doubted that much when you make decisions. It's just the capital that you build that can also dwindle down if you keep making bad decisions or if you act poorly and people just don't want to work with you anymore. So... Um, kind of thinking about these capitals, like like what's the what's basically what's the best way of of, of acquiring this in, in the company, and should people think about these capitals, or is it something that that is just on the background? I think it's uh, for relationship. It's really current. I like currency or capital. It's a uh, a topic that no one wants to hear about, mm -hmm. and. Uh, like almost discard that it exists. Like yeah. I just want to be seen for my performance, working in a corner and uh, achieve things, and people, somebody will notice me. The reality, and I, I'm not saying it's wrong to think this way, but the reality, we are working with humans. Mm -hmm. And we humans, we are biased all the time. So it's like understanding the limitation of our own nature in a way, having empathy. Uh, so you, you value what you see and what you trust. Mm -hmm. As, like, as a human. So when you work and uh, do things factually that are um, performing, and it's important to have a structure, of course, in the organization that can measure things objectively, there's another uh, layer, especially for the stakeholder or people who own your promotion mm -hmm. or uh, assign projects. If they don't understand how you work, because there's a lot of soft skills that are evaluated as well when you get promotion. Mm -hmm. How uh, are you a person that is communicating well? Uh, can you collaborate well? Are you reliable? So I'm thinking as well as myself in a position of manager, can I work with people who are reliable? How am I able to assess this just by looking at the delivery of the work of someone? So by spending more time with someone, you understand how they think, how they work. Sometimes the way they behave 
uh, can lead to something, uh, a good outcome uh, using their soft skills, but it's not like kind of a conventional way. Mm -hmm. So for people who have a profile that is less of a norm, it's not serving them actually to not develop those relationships. So especially when you go in, a, you want to go to a leadership position, higher position, senior position, it's so much about collaborating, cross-function, selling a project. Uh, I've learned also it this way, like what we call upward management. Mm -hmm. No one likes it, but it's it's part of the job. Yeah. It's like, again, it's developing the relationship to, um, I like to think of it this way. You're trying to find the translator between what you're doing and what the person at their, at their level um, and what they can understand because they may not be coming from the same mm -hmm. craft or have the same visibility. You're creating the platform for translation. Yeah. But that's more your job than the job of the other person because they will just look at how much input they get from different sources and they will not necessarily inquire to try to understand you. So if you really want to own your you know, promotion career path or whatever you want to sell internally, you have to own this and develop uh, proactively the relationship with stakeholders no. or people who will help you in your journey. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people just who don't want to do this dismiss it as ass kissing. Like, oh, you just kiss it. But me, there's, no, you know, there may be some organization where you can move up by ass kissing, but that's why it's really important to understand two things. There's a social capital and there's a performance capital. You have to have both mm -hmm. in order to succeed. I mean, sometimes you can be really good at one and you can get to a certain point by just outperforming all the time without really building social capital. But in the end, you kind of need the both to, to keep moving forward. And um, yeah, it's a, I wanted to ask actually uh, this type of question is like, I've read somewhere that, that women are not that good at building social capital at workplace. Is that like, a, like that wasn't in a book and the book was written by a woman and then she was saying like women are really good at social skills outside work but somehow don't use those same skills to build social capital at work. This is something that was just done. I'm quoting a book. I'm, yeah, yeah, I need to find one. I'm reflecting on it and uh, from my own experience, because it's easier for me to, mm -hmm. to be able to see in, in which way that could be true. I think uh, naturally, uh, as, a, as, a, as a woman, um, uh, your way of uh, going through life uh, is based on a, yeah, a certain way of establishing yeah. relationships or um, where, again, there's a lot of expectation. I remember where you expect to be seen without selling yourself, being yeah. out there, promoting yourself. It's, it's not something that we encourage as little girls, I'm thinking like 30 years ago, yeah. you know, in education. So if you are following your instinct as the way you were raised as a girl, I would say in more traditional way, uh, then it's not always helping you in uh, an organization where, let's look at men, where those natural skills like selling yourself, putting yourself out there, showing your work, or uh, even like creating these body connections, it's like there, there's, there's a bit of resistance for us. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I will speak only for myself here, but I don't want to play this game to be seen or to be uh, mm. recognized. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's... Uh, Self-imposed. Yeah, it's like, it's, uh, then it's kind of discarding a path that could be there for yeah. you uh, by not understanding like why there are certain social rules, right? And uh, if we think, look at things at more high level, I, I like to move away from, yeah, you have to do ass kissing, like you said, 
and more influencing. Yeah. You show your influential yeah. skills and show that you can influence no matter what the environment. A, a, a room full of men and show that you can influence yeah. as a woman yeah. or a, a room full of women or both or you know any nationalities. So it's about soft skills. And if you go beyond and think what are the skills I can develop yeah. and it's not just helpful in, an, or a, in a workplace, it, influencing others is very key when you are in a leadership position anyway. You do that all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Just fact check myself. The book is called Strategize to Win by Carla A. Harris. She said that, not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just making sure. Don't. Oh, but it's uh, good to mention and also yeah. to uh, debunk a bit more of those, those uh, uh, and she probably wrote it uh, as an having, encouragement. Yeah, but without having read the book, it's uh, things. It's voice we tell yeah. ourselves, right? It's, I'm not sure it's really based on truth, but women, we have a lot of limitation. We said for ourselves that we are never enough, or we have to act in a certain way, yeah. so we would be recognized. So there's a lot of uh, conversation to yourself that are not serving us uh, when we want to grow. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and just just to on on a point of like, it's not like the you know, it's it's. It's dismissed as ass kissing when it's you know managing up is something as you said influencing is such a be better word because that's what it is you're really bringing your thought out there and sometimes it, it might be even a counter of what others are doing but but you're just trying to influence like hey this is some some data that I have and so forth just being a part of the conversation is really mm -hmm. important rather as you said sitting in the uh, in the side corner and saying hey I did such a great job why didn't I get this opportunity that came up it's like well you were kind of alone over mm -hmm. there you didn't really uh, you know partake in the conversation and sadly that's important in larger organizations you can't just you know hide in the corners so yeah, connect groups collaborate influence yeah, yeah and build your relationship even outside the organization mm -hmm. as well um, last question, when do you know it's time to make a change? Meaning, when is it time to leave? Because there's different situations. There's situation like, you you know, positive things. You've outgrown the position, so you, maybe you're working in a smaller company. You've kind of did it all and it's time to move on. Uh, there's, you know, the typical ones, whether it's the layoffs or the downsizing, and it kind of happens due to the, uh, due to the strategic changes in the company. There are other situations where, are, where you're just not a good fit. That comes in pretty early, or maybe the company culture changes, uh, new management, new this, new that, and you feel that it's not a fit really with the way you're working. Or, you know, something that I'm very have commonly happened to me is like you lose your sponsor. So you kind of lose your air cover. The person who you were working under, the organization you're working under is gone. And now there's a lot of changes. And now you have to rebuild your, your, uh, your capital, both your performance capital as well as your social capital. And at that point, it's like starting a new job. And then you're questioning, like, is it the time? Or just finish the project and you can either continue with a new one here or leave. So, so what are the sort of points because this is mainly almost a question to me because i think i've made this mistake the most and that is leaving too early versus staying for a longer time and really benefiting from the, all the uh, the performance and social capital built to that point and acquiring more uh but i hope somebody would have had this conversation that you're about to answer so when is the time to leave like how do you know mm. I, can, I can relate to what you shared where i probably i'm telling myself the same where yeah. My uh, average time, and not always by choice. So the longest I've been in a company, it's, it's been f five years, and mm -hmm. I, I initiated my own departure. But uh, then after, it was more uh, on average three years. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, I, I felt uh, as well a bit like, 
I was wondering like why like can I not no. stay long in the place? No. Is it can me? I not yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's uh, you I mean it's a valid question. Can I not build on top of or no. can I not endure as well like hard faces of company? Um, so again back to uh, I'll answer more like back on where I am today because in the past I may have made similar decision on okay, I'm not happy with the condition like no. bye. Um, there's a value in persisting and trying to be on, on top of, you know, in depth in what you, because that means you live every time there's something, you know, a bit difficult and you're never learning on how to work through or with, uh, you know, the management mm -hmm. and, you know, it's like be there in the very tough time that are very uncomfortable and then mm, it, it's nothing is perfect no. and far from it. But you, you still believe that you can still have a contribution and so on. So at least at Voodoo, I, I wanted and there were hard times where I asked myself again the question is like, it's been just two years. Like, I, I can't just jump ship again just because things are hard. So I endured and there were several phases where uh, it was difficult and I had commitment of building mm -hmm. a team myself. Mm -hmm. And it was a, then a departure, a stop that was not initiated by me, but by the company, yeah. unfortunately. So I would say... Um, again, it's back to understanding yourself. Uh, how do you feel being at work? I think it's like one of those things like where it becomes de detrimental to others, right? So it's having, again, the honest conversation where you are so, um, I don't know, either stressed, not capable of moving on or accepting what's going on uh, at work that you also become of a negative influence to the one you work with mm -hmm. and this is where it's not a service to anybody not even yourself right so I think this is more of a sign of change where it's, it's really uh, eating the bottom and then you don't find any energy to either wake up and I have those phases sometimes with work but they didn't stay long um, to wake up to do the work or to do anything and you have to ask yourself why is this happening so instead mm -hmm. of making the conclusion the job is wrong what is wrong about my life and how I perceive my life and my work? Like, am I doing uh, work that is still interesting for me? Am I not growing anymore? Am I stagnating? Or do I have uh, too much stress that is caused by uncertainty of something I don't mm -hmm. know? So maybe uh, by introspecting, uh, that could lead to, I need to have a conversation with my boss where I need to be more aware of those mm -hmm. things. Or if it's something you're not doing, it's like I should initiate a conversation that I would like to change department or change function or maybe you know, take myself uh, out of the equation and try to replace. But having the honest conversation instead of um, externalizing it, it's it's the company the problem. More internalizing it is like, how is this affecting me and why? And what can I s s communicate and solve? Because I'm pretty sure looking back for myself, for the things I was looking for, uh, would have I understood uh, more what I was looking for, I could probably have pushed to make it happen in the company, yeah. like building my own studio. Yeah. It's only when I had another company pushing me to open my own studio, but uh, it was too late. It was Rovio actually to come with a counter offer where maybe I should have tried already. Yeah. Like this is what I want and this is, and then I give you a chance to think about it. Otherwise I will try to pursue it uh, somewhere outside. So, you know, so I think to, to not be too hot headed, but again, understand why, what, what is missing for you that you, you are considering yeah. a change. And it's not always the company or the people you work with who are the problem, right? Yeah, I've noticed that when you're in that cycle, as you said, of kind of like that negative, almost like blaming the company versus 
really internalizing of, of what is going on in your life, um, I think it's very hard to step out of it. And I think the best way to do it is seek for some advice, like have mentors in your life, like uh, <laughs> counter to popular belief probably, but when I have these conversations and I do have them with a lot of very, you know, senior folks with, who are, you know, in very good companies, I normally tell them not to leave. Like, do, like, because I just, you know, I talk to them like, listen, let's talk to me about your day. Like, what is going on? Like, what's this? Like, what are your problems? And the problems are usually quite small. And I can only, like, you know, a, a small handful of people who I told, like, no, dude, it's time to go. Like, this is not okay. Or, like, this opportunity should not be passed. But majority, 90% of the time, I just kind of, like, go back to it. And, and, and I always finish up, like, dude, your life, or, you know, I call everybody dude. But, like, <laughs> like your life is great. Like, look at you. Like, it's your partner is doing great. You love the city where you live at. They're paying you really well. Mm -hmm. This small thing, like, what are you, you know, what are you yeah. worrying about? Just take a step back. Like, go for a walk. Like, this is nothing. This is nothing that you wouldn't endure in other places. And, look, yeah, if you're true. here for next three years, like, think about what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And the market this, this and that. You're such a great game launch. I think the next one is going to be also amazing. Like, and then you know, oftentimes, the, the, you know, the people are like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm quite lucky, actually. Like, I'm, I'm good. And like, yes, just commit there for the next three years. And then we'll talk because your life now is perfect. Like, you, it won't get better if you change jobs. That's usually what I, what I end up saying. And, um, and that's because I, I wish somebody would told me that a couple of times before. <laughs> Yeah, I would say before you get to too fast conclusion, because there are different situations where it's really hurting your health, mm -hmm. your men mental sanity, because yeah. you're in, uh, and there are places where things are mismanaged and uh, it's a very toxic environment and it's really hard to continue. But this you can identify quite quickly and I would say it's not like... <clears throat> Sorry, after after working three years where you've really committed and you believe in the leadership of a mission that suddenly is like, there's a change and I need to leave. <clears throat> so I would say at least try and understand and do the introspection work. Because uh, again, it's a tendency we have to blame externally where sometimes it's things we need to change in our life yeah. or change, uh, you know, the project, the task we do or start something else, start a hobby on the side. But we yeah. always like give a external you know, reasons. That's, that's natural. But we have to fight against this and exactly uh, talking it out with another person, more neutral, a mentor, a coach, uh, is very helpful because then you put things into fact and you look at it and it's like, I don't even know why I want to live anymore. Yeah. You know, like you, you start to look at your own decision objectively yeah. from the outside uh, and you understand there are emotions involved and there are coming from a different place with different expectations. Exactly. And then the, those points, it's usually very important. What I try to do with these people is like, okay, talk to me about that next job that you're going through. Like, like explain to me, like, what is going to be, you know, tell me about the day-to-day. -day, what do you expect this? What do you expect that? And then the question is like, is, are these facts or are you just imagining these mm -hmm. things? Like, okay, they're not facts. You're just imagining what the next job could be in a perfect situation. You're taking a massive risk of leaving something where you, as you said, can change uh, what has been going on even leverage that that offer that it was giving to you not to get a promotion or to get more money But just saying like hey, this is where I want my career to go uh, I would love to stay and I would love for my career path to take me towards this direction because this is what interests me And I'm sure the company will will oblige and be like, okay, that's interesting. Let's let's focus on that career path. So so yeah uh, 
we've talked a lot. Thank you for joining the podcast episode. We talked about, you know, nurturing and planning your career. We talked about, you know, how to choose your next job. Um, we talked about social capital, uh, performance capital, uh, starting before you start. So very interesting podcast. I hope that, that you enjoyed uh, let let Sophie know in the uh, in the uh, in the DMs and the messages if you enjoyed this uh, guest podcast episode and maybe she'll bring me back or maybe not maybe it'll be somebody else but thank you for letting me host uh, Rise and Play. Thanks, Miska, for uh, joining and uh, asking <laughs> a very reflective questions. I'm happy of the second episode we record is like a yeah. long way and yeah. I think there's a lot of things that have evolved uh, very positively towards obvious introspection and reflection so I'm very happy about that. Well thank you. Well off to our next meeting. <laughs> so goodbye everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this latest episode of the Rise and Play podcast. I am trying to grow a community of conscious leaders across the industry and beyond. So if you want to join this movement please share the podcast with other conscious leaders because we have so much more we can learn from each other. Also, please don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss out on future content. Every episode is packed with actionable insights that will help you improve your leadership skills now. And if you are interested in learning more on the topics that we discussed today, you can find more insights on riseandplay.io and there you will also find my free masterclass on conscious leadership. So, have a great week! And until the next time, 